think of on-chain data as being, you know, effectively the fundamentals. What are the cash flows? What are the economics? What are the incentives that are driving this behavior? And everybody wants to quantify that, whether it be what did I hold when and what, what price and where did it go to what, you know, the ability to introspect and to understand cohorts of other investors. Well, if they held that token, what else did they hold? How long did they hold that? Where did those tokens go? Hey everybody, Tanner here with Wagme Ventures. On today's podcast, we have Sean Douglas, CEO of Amber Data. For anyone who's new, this is the Wagme Ventures podcast where we do company snapshots with interesting founders from across Web3. Check out wagmeventures.io to learn more about the syndicate behind the podcast. But for now, let's get into it with Sean from Amber Data. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, today, I'm really excited. We have Sean Douglas, CEO of Amber Data. Sean, how's it going today? Doing great. Thank you very much. Excited about the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for the listeners, my, maybe just would be helpful kind of a little bit about your story and how you got to what you're working on now with Amber Data. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know, I guess I associate with being a Silicon Valley guy, been, been in the Valley for a really long time. Uh, got involved in, uh, in you know, I, I've done a lot of startups and um, worked also worked at, you know, big companies and then got exposed to crypto, really Bitcoin first in 2012 and then Ethereum later um, and, and just started to get really excited about the space. Yeah, I love it. So um, Amber Data, what? What's the best description of of what you're of what Amber Data is doing? Absolutely, what company is Amber Data. Yeah, so Amber Data, what we do is we provide comprehensive uh, crypto economic data or, or digital assets data, primarily for institutions, and we enable them to accelerate their time to market and build data powered applications, whether that be trading or portfolio management, research, risk tax, accounting, compliance, audit uh, type of, of applications or businesses on top of our data. And we make it simple for them to get the data that they need where they don't need to connect into, you know, 30 different centralized exchanges and, and 15 different blockchains and try to interpret yeah. what's happening in each smart contract. Yeah, super interesting. So what kind just to make it concrete for the listeners like what kinds of things are people using the data to do yeah so we we have you know if you kind of walk the spectrum there's i would say first and foremost trading and understanding opportunities and quantifying risk in the financial markets around digital assets so we have customers that are doing arbitrage between centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges providing liquidity and various decentralized exchanges or in lending protocols, or they may be executing liquidations in, in Aave or Maker or Compound, or they may be looking to generate yield via yield farming, or maybe even spanning uh, spot market versus derivatives and playing the yield curve there. Um, and then, you know, part of trading and financial services is there's an entire value chain, front office, mid office, back office, and the input to all of those applications is data. And so we provide that data and ultimately interpret that 
data into time series so that they can build their applications and their businesses that serves the entire value chain across the, the ecosystem. Yeah, super interesting. I'm curious what unique challenges existed for kind of, or, or currently exist for aggregating and kind of providing this data across chains and tokens that might've been different um, given just the nature of, of Web3, right? Like I'm, it seems like it, just intuitively, it seems like it would be a more complex uh, project. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> massively complex, farther yeah. than more complex than I had imagined when we started it. To be honest, um, so let's first start with like centralized exchanges because there's significant complexity there, and then we'll go down the rabbit hole into blockchain and then to ultimately DeFi. So, from a centralized exchange perspective, you know, there's probably a hundred or two hundred exchanges in the world. I think there's thirty of them that represent you know, 99% of all institutional trading volume. We cover the majority of those. Each of those exchanges has their own API. Unfortunately, they're, they're all different and they're not normalized and they're not standardized and they're all, you know, fast moving, growing businesses like everybody else in the crypto and digital asset space. So they change their APIs all the time. So just keeping abreast of all of the breaking API changes and having the ability to, collect that data, which is often ephemeral and store that and normalize that so that you can just understand what is price, what is there's, there's local price discovery processes that are happening maybe in LMAX in, in the UK versus Coinbase or Kraken in the U S versus, you know, something in, you know, Binance or, or, or what have you, as well as in the derivatives exchanges, that's that in itself is a massive challenge and a massive opportunity, which is, you know, a corollary to traditional refinitives or Bloomberg's of the world. Now, think of on-chain data as being, you know, effectively the fundamentals. What are the cash flows? What are the economics? What are the incentives that are driving this behavior? And everybody wants to quantify that, whether it be what did I hold when and what, what price and where did it go to what, you know, the ability to introspect and to understand cohorts of other investors. Well, if they held that token, what else did they hold? How long did they hold that? Where did those tokens go? Where um, to be able to get that data, unfortunately, is incredibly complicated because that blockchain networks are effectively a, a database, an application server, a incentivized currency and that's running, you know, globally across, you know, various different blockchain networks to be able to extract that data, you know, similarly to traditional IT monitoring, alerting, eventing, search analytics companies, you need to be able to basically instrument with operational telemetry, the entire call, call stack of what happens in the database, in the application, in the, in the, the currency, and then the incentives around that so there's a tremendous amount of instrumentation and operational collect um, um, telemetry there that you would need to understand and institutions simply they don't have millions of dollars and armies of people who are deep in understanding crypto crypto economic mechanisms data data ingestion and the data science to be able to turn that into actionable information so that's what we do is we make that simple so they don't have to. 
and um, we we take this massively decentralized you know resource of data across centralized exchanges and on-chain data and pull that together in a coherent way to empower people to be able to embrace digital assets which is a, a massively growing space and um, that's going to touch every business and every person on the planet yeah I'd, I'd love to jump into that last point I mean because that that is even more complex than I could have imagined right <laughs> um, and so that last point I mean I'd just love to I'd love to dive in a little more on kind of your vision from this unique vantage point of where where is all this going right I not to <laughs> that may be a bigger question than you're interested in taking on, but I, I think you just have a really interesting perspective in that you have to stay really, really up to date on all this activity uh, or else Amber data, you know, it's, it can't do what it does do. Right. Right. And so I, I'm just curious your perspective on um, any trends that might be interesting to people that yeah, aren't I, apparent. I think this is fundamentally the financialization of the internet. And this is going to be massively, whether you say disruptive or expansive for traditional financial services. And I think it starts there because that's really most of the killer applications in crypto today are financial services related. Um, so as you look at that and you say, well, what is the total addressable market of a bank today or of a financial institution in the United States? Well, there's 300 and something million people in the United States. And then you're like, well, a third of those people have the resources that need financial services. So you quickly come down to a pretty small total addressable market. Now you open that up and say, wait a second, there's, you know, 8 billion people in the world. And of those 8 people, 8 billion people in the world, how many of them need financial services? So many of the financial services firms and banks and institutions are looking at this as a massive opportunity to expand their total addressable market and to innovate and create new financial primitives that can be either create new financial products that can be built on top of these financial primitives that have a total addressable market of billions of people, um, as well as many more businesses that they could serve just by operating in their their jurisdictional sandbox that they may currently operate in financial services. So I see that there's going to be a massive tidal change in innovation because if you think about, you know, FinTech 1.0, FinTech 1.0 was literally factor payments out of banking. Now you have PayPal, Venmo, you know, name your favorite payment application. And what's happening with specifically around DeFi is they're now factoring the financial primitives of financial services, whether that be, you know, generating an interest rate, uh, you know, yield, whether it be lending, whether borrowing, leverage, trading, um, you know, et cetera. And they're, they're taking those primitives just like payments were factored out of banking. You're now seeing that those financial premise, primitives deployed on this glo global substrate where people can now compose and add together those to create new financial products. And I think most of the banks and financial services companies in the world today quickly realize that, wow, stable coins solve a, a real uh, problem for enabling people to have fluid um, 
uh, ubiquitous store of value to be able to transfer and transact. Yeah. Lending protocols are the new banks. DEXs become the new trading venues. It's just massively disruptive. And then from the retail perspective, I think NFTs are the beginnings of the new fabric for digital rights management. NFTs are cool and get your, you know, your PFP. That's awesome. But if you think about what's happening with like Board Ape Yacht Club, how they're, they're monetizing an annuity stream based upon intellectual property rights that can propagate down to people that have sold that previously. This is transformational and the Disney's of the world and the people who create digital assets are keenly aware of this. So I think we're in the very early days of massive transformation in financial services as well as digital rights management. Yeah, that's super interesting. So maybe bringing it back to Amber data specifically, like say everything goes great five years down the road, as you're kind of writing these changes that you've described, what do things look like for Amber data down the road? Yeah, absolutely. So we're investing tens of millions of dollars in the infrastructure to be able to turn this raw, rough, hard to get and understand data into actionable information that will power financial services applications, accounting, taxes, you know, digital rights management, analytics, insights that will effectively position us to be the leader in the world in digital assets information to understand what's happening in the crypto economy, which is going to just become the regular economy because there's no distinction between the internet economy of, you know, 2000 in the, in the, the economy right. of 2022. <laughs> so we are going to become, you know, if you will, a, a broader platform than say a Refinitiv or a Bloomberg, which is, you know, fairly niche in scope for financial services, primarily usually in, in uh, yield or what have you. Um, we're going to become that platform that people will come to, whether they're in financial services or they just want to understand what is going on in, in, in the crypto economy. Yeah. Super interesting. And it looks like, it looks like you guys just raised a series B. Is that right? That's correct. We just raised a, a series B. Nice. Congratulations on that. Um, anything you want to share about that process or, um, I, I think that we've been pretty fortunate to have raised a series A then a series B almost back to back and had participation from, you know, some of the thought leaders in traditional financial services and, you know, our series A was led by City with participation from Galaxy Digital and Franklin Templeton and Golden Tree and, and, uh, and others. And then the series B was led by Nolwood, but we had participation from, you know, NASDAQ and, and other strategics that um, really enable us to have a vantage point and have access to resources far beyond just capital to build out and, and define this category and be the industry leader. Um, I think it's a, it's a unique opportunity and, and gives us you know, a bit of an unfair advantage um, because access to capital when we raised was, you know, it wasn't entirely hard to raise money, but to get the right people around the table who are gonna help you build the right mm -hmm. thing, that's more valuable and that was, that's hard to do. So we're super excited about the people that are involved and continue to help us build and define Amber Data. Definitely. Uh, maybe taking a step back, uh, I'm just curious any advice you'd have. I mean, 
especially one thing I love about what you're doing with Amber Data is you're working on a really challenging problem. And, you know, when so much of the Web3 conversation has to do with um, speculation or critiques of speculation, et cetera, et cetera, like you've taken on a really challenging, complicated problem and you're solving it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think from that vantage point, I'm curious, any advice for founders building in Web3 that might be helpful, uh, help, any helpful takeaways? I think it's, it's interesting is like maybe three years ago, what Web3 was, was, you know, radically different. <laughs> but I think today what Web3 is, is people are starting to realize that there's business models that make sense. And at the end of the day, you're still going to have customers. It's, mm -hmm. it's there. So understand what problem you're solving for who and how you're creating value for them and do that well and do that better than anybody else. And um, one, of the, one of the big min misnomers, it's funny, in, in crypto in general, is it's about decentralization. Crypto is really not about decentralization. Crypto is about incentives, drive behaviors. And it's those incentives that incentivize participation in the protocol, which in fact drive decentralization. And people get that mixed up. And I think there's a lot of you know, decentralized zealots that are completely missing the point. And I think the power of, of crypto and digital assets is this idea of you can have these crypto economic systems that have mechanisms that incentivize participation, whether that be staking to secure the network or um, whether it be, uh, you know, put an asset with us to, to, to secure the protocol and, and earn a yield or, you know, there's, or, you know, take, you know, take, you know, be a holder of this token and you're a member of a club or, or what have you. It's really those incentives. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to quantify because every one of those incentives is code in a smart contract and has an input and an output. So we're trying to quantify the inputs and the outputs of those incentive models and those mechanisms so that that becomes valuable information that people can act. Because if you believe in crypto and you believed in incentivized mechanisms that drive behavior, then you need data and you need to be able to quantify that. So I think understanding um, what problem you're solving for who, I think is critical for you know, anybody that wants to work in this space. Definitely. So Sean, what are you working on now and what's the best way for people to kind of follow along on the journey and, and maybe get involved? So what we're working on now is we, we have very robust exchange coverage, whether that be spot markets, derivatives markets, um, options venues. And then for on-chain data, we have, you know, comprehensive, you know, basically account balance, time series account balances and um, the DeFi basic data, like trading data, staking data, lending data, what have you. So what we're working now is build on top of that base and extend that with lenses that are specific to the personas of the people that need the information. So mm. as an actor, what's my interface to Web3? It's my wallet. So... Therefore, what I care about is, you know, not when I go to Etherscan and I look at there's this transaction and there was all these 
you know, function calls in the transaction. And believe me, Etherscan has done a phenomenal job and I'm a huge fan of, of the team over there. But as a, as a retail user, what I care about is like, hey, I participated in this protocol. What happened in my wallet that's specific to that protocol? Did I add, a, add an asset? Did I remove a asset? Did I swap something? Did I, did I generate yield in context of me? And then, you know, the lens as a someone who's participating in these protocols, perhaps as a liquidity provider, there's that lens as give me a, a lens into that pool to understand, did somebody add liquidity, remove liquidity? Did they do a flash loan? Did they do a, was there a swap? Did that, did the economics of me provide being a liquidity provider change? And how do I quantify that and understand that to inform my behavior? And then lastly, the lens that we're working on is this protocol lens. So there's each of these protocols have the ability to effectively um, create these um, new assets um, in, in some of these liquidity pools. Well, give me a lens into what's happening in that protocol as context so I can understand what's happening with that asset pool, so I can understand what's happening with my wallet. And via those lenses, which nobody else is building, um, you can understand your and everybody else participation in these systems so that you can really identify opportunities to participate or, or stay out of trouble. Awesome. Well, Sean, thank you so much for the time. This has been awesome. And uh, yeah, for anyone who's interested in learning more about Amber Data, website is amberdata.io. And Sean, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Really enjoyed the opportunity. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Great. Take care. Thank you.